With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's uh, Miller and Condon here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We're with you for the next couple of hours. Busy show today. Trent, just one little uh, addition to your update there. Uh, I'm sure you just probably ran out of time and you wanted to get this in, but the Parent Club Minnesota Wild hosts the high-flying Central Division leading Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only got a minute in that bed, so I didn't have time for all those superlatives that you wanted to throw in Well, there. my head picked up when I heard my hometown. And, and, That's uh, why that I put it in there. I'm, I'm grateful figured. for it. Uh, busy show here today. Obviously, we're going to talk a whole lot about... I know the latest is always the greatest, but man, Trent, that Hawkeye game last night, and yes, it's Northwestern, it's not Michigan, I don't give a you-know-what. That was a gutty performance out of a spirited Hawkeye team, and when they got lit up by their head coach, they responded in a big, big way. That final 18 minutes, as good of an 18-minute stretch as we've seen this Hawkeye team play in what? I mean, they've had their moments. But they that, have. That 18 minutes, Trent, in on the, the second half. On the road, ding, ding, ding. Pretty impressive. Best performance since the road win two years ago at Wisconsin? All right, that's probably fair, yeah. right? I mean, we skipped right past last year, I, well, I'd remind you. Well, it was you. dreadful. No, I know, I get that. That uh, This was, uh, yeah, this was uh, something that was uh, coming down the road, and we got it last night. So we'll do a lot on that. Here's the program today. We uh, try and localize it as best as we can, and we're certainly going to do that uh, in the 11 o'clock hour. Coming up, first of all, we're going to head to Kansas City. Uh, Adam Teicher, long-time uh, Kansas City star, now, of course, with ESPN.com, uh, Adam Teicher, grateful that we got him, or that we lined him up. We did so earlier in the week. We'll preview uh, the Chiefs and the Colts. Tice joined us when we were up the dial, maybe late September. We only had him once, I think, during the regular mm-hmm. season. Um, and it was early, and you know Patrick Mahomes was opening some eyes at that time. But boy, oh boy, it just got better as the season went on. So looking forward to catching up with Adam Teicher. Kevin Lehman, local uh, color analyst for uh, college basketball. He sees them all. He sees the Hawks. He sees the Clones, the Panthers, and the Bulldogs. So we'll spend a significant portion of the final half hour of uh, of our number one talking with Kevin Lehman about the four local teams in the 11 o'clock hour. The voice of the Cyclones, John Walters, 11.15. We'll do football and basketball with John before Mark Morehouse, a regular uh, contributor to our program, a weekly contributor, certainly during the football season. We give Mark a couple of weeks off, maybe May. He's always, he goes on vacation. We don't bother him, and why would we? But uh, Mark is a weekly guest. 
He's as he's terrific, folks. He really is. I'm sure you know, most of you have clicked on the Cedar Rapids Gazette article and uh, and read Mark's stuff over the years. It's it's a really good paper. Look, both of them are the paper, mm-hmm. local paper. The Royal Register is really good too. Uh, but um, we're we're grateful to have Mark Morehouse, and he'll join us about eleven thirty-five. What a night of college basketball it really was. I had no NHL that I wanted to watch at all last night. I was into the college hoops. I got to and we'll get to Iowa in a second. Just kind of leading up to that game. I mean, Marcus Howard for Marquette. Oh, my. Yeah, I almost wanted to reach back out to Wade Looking Bill today because yeah. he was in Omaha last night to see the game. This is an incredible performance. I've got to watch more of that kid, uh, and I will. But I watched as stunning of his comeback, Trent, is, I mean, West Virginia, Press Virginia, known for their defense, has a 21-point lead in Manhattan, and yes, Stokes played, but Wade didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brown did. It's a yes. good thing he did. He scored, what, 29 or something like that? But Trent, up eight, up 21 with 18 minutes left in the basketball game and lost in regulation. That will leave a mark. That shows you, I think, a, a couple of things. A, West Virginia, they're down for their mm-hmm. standards. Uh, they lost a, a ton well, off. Carter, of, I mean, how much they missed yes, him, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's the guy that ran that team. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Kanate was a rim protector, and yep. he's out. So it's it's West Virginia on a, a downtrend. And again, as we talked about with the Baylor loss the other night for Iowa State, you're trying to find possible road victories. West Virginia is one of those possible road Absolutely. victories. Most seasons not. This season, perhaps. Kansas State comes in Saturday. Does this maybe add a little an extra layer to it, them able to come back, get off the mat? They've been kind of trending in the wrong direction themselves. And maybe bump this game up a little bit, knowing that, this maybe isn't going to be just a rollover opponent that no. many people anticipated. Saturday. Well, and it certainly looked like it was going to be for the first 20 minutes of the basketball yeah. game. And, and Iowa State coming off a loss at Baylor, and, and they're in front of the home crowd, and you know what that does. By the way, have you taken a look at Saturday? It could not fit any better. Oh, really? Oh, it's a huge day in Ken Miller's world. Okay. Uh, I've got to work all day, honey. Um, you're on your own. Is it hockey? No, no, no. Oh. The Jets don't play. So 11 o'clock in the morning. Yes. Iowa State plays Kansas State. Great start to the day. 11 o'clock. Yep. Two and a half hours later, the Hawkeyes take the floor. Even if things go a little long. Even if it's one of those long games. Will not interrupt. You're one bit. going to be fine. Right into one thirty. Right into one thirty. Perfect. 3.35, two hours later, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs either uh-huh. uh, deferring or uh, against the Colts. So that game kicks, and it's 7.30 or 7.20 or whenever it is. We've got the Rams hosting the Cowboys. None of these games bump into each other. Mm-hmm. There's going to be no conflicts whatsoever. You can sit down. You can put the remote and across the room. You're not going to have to be flipping around with that. It works out perfectly. All right. Let's talk about the Hawks because yeah. Trent here and I'm, I want to spend some time on this in the eleven o'clock hour, and, and what I'm about to say, look, this this happens throughout college sports. Do you remember going into Big Ten media days this summer? Uh, I was there. You stayed home and, and manned the ship, and I'm yes. grateful for you for doing that. That will change this year as we're both being sent to Chicago. I like that. I do too. Uh, but one of the talkers going into Big Ten Media Day, and it was actually a Jim Delaney initiative. He was talking about what? Injury reports. Oh, yes. Do you remember that? That college football needs to take a page out of the NFL 
And there needs to be more transparency. And hopefully in time for week number one, we're going to come to some agreement with all of the teams uh, that in my conference, this is Delaney speaking, mm-hmm. uh, that will put out some sort of an injury report, whether it be on Monday, whether it be in the middle of the week, but we are going to get something. I don't have to remind people that sports wagering is starting to take a hold all over the country. Mm-hmm. There's going to be twice as many states participating in sports wagering this time next year than there is right now and maybe one of those states will be iowa the reason i bring this up is i was best player as who basketball player tyler cook tyler cook we both agree so i was got some pieces but tyler cook is the guy yes apparently during shoot around yesterday i'm not saying nothing nefarious here i'm not i'm not i'm not but what i'm saying is in advance of sports wagering going everywhere you would think that the news that Tyler Cook is not going to play in the game, that some people would want to hear that news, right? And some people, if they got that news, whether it be in the most innocent way of obtaining that or not, and I'm, this isn't just a Tyler Cook, this is college sports in general. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Azubuke in Kansas, and if the word wouldn't have broken prior to tip-off, same type of thing. He didn't play. No. And the people that accept the wagers would have loved to have had that. Mm-hmm. The people that bet on this, if you've got this information before anybody else, now it would have backfired last night. It would have. But transparency needs to come to the forefront in these type of things. Don't you agree? Sports wagering trend, transparency is as big a word in sports wagering mm-hmm. as you can find. So this is one that's very interesting, too, because afterwards we found out this is something that's been lingering, knee mm-hmm. issue that's been lingering. It was a little bit worse when they got up and they went to shoot around yesterday, and, and obviously, as we saw, he didn't play in the game. So leading up to that, does that mean that there is an injury report that says probable knee leading up to the game the three days previous something has to be put out Trent maybe yeah. that's what it is maybe he's declared out I don't I know it's going to cause more headaches I know it's going to cause more work but it, it this has to happen it mm-hmm. just has to happen I mean I'll use the name Joe Blow because I don't want to I don't want to yeah. I don't want to infer one little bit that, that there's anything nefarious and there's because there wasn't no right but Joe Blow the best player on team ABC gets hurt Joe Texas buddy hey, I'm not playing tonight his roommate Mm-hmm. Not playing tonight. His buddy, innocently, in class, or talks to his brother, or his dad, or whatever. Yeah, Joe's not playing tonight. That's really going to hurt Team ABC, right? Right. They're on the road. This is a big spot. Well, I mean, all of a sudden, that information is now spreading to some circles, and you get my drift. Yes. So, there is another layer, as opposed to professional sports that we get into here, at the collegiate level. And that is... How much information is released in terms of these injuries? Because, well, at state institutions, don't they fall under that federal statute about... Uh, is it HIPAA? Or... HIPAA, yes. Right. And we've seen in the past football coaches, Kirk Ferentz has hit they behind use that. that. They use that for a shield. I, I mean, one thing you look at... Tokes in a lot of ways. Tokes Akronabade's career's over. Mm-hmm. We never got an official word why. No, that's true. He I mean, wasn't off the team, right? Well, we both heard... The rumors that were out there, I, I think I heard a heart condition, something like But there's never an official release that came down from the SID office that said, Tokes Okunabade's career is over right. because of this. And, and we want to make clear, and I want to interrupt you, this isn't an Iowa issue. No, no, this not is, at this all. Is every, this is, yes. you know, college sports yes. in general. And public institutions, and many people have hid behind that in the past. I wonder 
what layer that adds to it. Mm-hmm. It has to be something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair point. Um, good, good, good point. Sure, there, there's there's going to be hurdles that you have to get past. Yeah. And, and look, if, very quickly after Delaney made that announcement, I don't know what it was, July the 20th or whatever, we had six weeks between Big Ten Media Day or five weeks, whatever it was, and you know nothing came out. Now, there are schools, Wisconsin, Northwestern, both of those schools have for the past few years, put out a report. Yes. And they didn't have to. Nope. But they were they wanted to get that out there. Make All it right. easier for their media members, do that. And then you got the other side, Michigan, which won't even put out a depth chart. <laughs> right. Well, they're going to have to, I think. Anyways, yeah. uh, let's get to the game itself. So so many positives in the game. Uh, your guy, uh, Isaiah Mostrent, I mean, he just continues to perform at a very high level, and they are going to need him. He was a catalyst last night. That bounce pass through the through the lane to uh, a cutting uh, Weisskamp, who I believe was fouled on the play he was uh that was a thing of beauty Weisskamp had his best game uh as a Hawkeye last night what I'll take away from it as much as anything I really love Connor McCaffrey going strong to the basket Garza was unbelievable mm-hmm. you can still see he's maybe a half a step slow as he comes back from that injury he's probably got one more little level that he can get to in his game and he doesn't exactly have a half step to give up <laughs> fair point <laughs> the fair fair point um but this was this was a gutty performance last night, and I loved when McCaffrey got in his team's you-know-what. Yes. 18, 17 and a half minutes, whatever it was. But my favorite part of the whole tirade, he's got the guys in a huddle, Fran's sitting in his chair, and he's getting in their face. Well, four of them, four of the guys on the floor. Ryan Creener decided to stand behind the huddle. Right? And McCaffrey wanted to make damn sure that his message got through to Creener as well and actually got up out of his chair and talked above the guys that were still sitting down to make sure the Creener wasn't escaping the wrath of the head coach. And it worked. Did we see Creener after that tirade? He only played 15 minutes. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that was the case. They went with Garza. They went small a couple of times. You know what, Trent? I'm going to have to go back when I get home. Maybe I won't. Maybe it, by then we'll know. But I that's a good. That's a good point. Because we see he we wasn't playing played tough. a couple of minutes. He might have. Yeah, he might have snuck in there. But overall, they didn't have a ton of depth either. Yeah. And well, because of that, right? With the injuries with Cook out with the knee injury and everything else. Well, all right. We don't like the way you're playing, mm-hmm. but we got to throw you out there at some point. Mm-hmm. Gutty performance. No, you, it really was. You mentioned Isaiah Moss. Did did you ever think you would have a game with Isaiah Moss that didn't even attempt a three pointer, and he impacted the game? No, to answer your question, because no, uh, absolutely not. And and Trent, when he put his name in the, um, the went through the process of the NBA draft, of the, of the NBA yep. draft, and knowing, and we kind of looked at each other, really. Um, Maybe he was told some things he has to... I don't know if he's an NBA player. I know he's yeah. a damn good Hawkeye right now. Yes. And they're going to need him to play like this. And he did last night. Garza was terrific. Those free throws. Bohannon down the stretch was outstanding. And how about Wieskamp? No, oh, Trent. What a that game, huh? That stretch. Single-handedly brought the team back, put them in the lead, and kept them there. Down by seven, it felt like, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Iowa on the road. We talked about it yesterday. 11 consecutive losses, being down 17 on the road. And they come roaring back. And it was Wieskamp, for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes, doing it all himself. He got a steal. He got a run he out. He was the spark. A couple of three-pointers in there. He was outstanding. You asked me yesterday about Wieskamp. And, you know, I, I thought he's fine. He's played. And then I went back after we talked about it and looked deeper at his numbers. His numbers are even better than I remember. Mm. He is maybe a little bit quieter. Is it is it time to... if? 
I don't think there's handcuffs on him anyway, especially offensively, because that's not the way that Fran McCaffrey and I will plays. But even running more things for him, doing more to get him involved, because well, he is it, so talented. Trent, if last night is any indication, if that doesn't happen, then that's a that's a coaching problem. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, if you see uh, if the training wheels did indeed come off the, last night on the road. Um, Boy, he responded in a big, big way. Behind in the day, the uh, game before against Nebraska last night, it was Wieskamp. Uh, Tyler Cook, is he or isn't he going to play on Saturday when they host Ohio State? Ohio State, by the way. Yeah. I, mean, I get it's on the road, but good God, Rutgers? Down double digits, come back, get the lead? Mm, I don't know. See, I was watching mostly West Virginia okay. uh, and K State. I, I, I think they there. got the lead by Did one. They? And then you lose it to Rutgers. Yeah, I know. It's going to be a hungry team coming in Saturday, that's though. That's very true. But I was, on the other hand, the team that's looking to win three in a row. Yes. Uh, in conference play, that would be a huge feather in their cap. Uh, take care of your home floor. Granted, you're not going to win them all. I don't run, have to remind anybody that two weeks from tonight, here comes Sparty. Yes. Um, that's a 6 o'clock tip. You know, I was, uh, was looking at the upcoming Hawkeye schedule. Boy, a lot of these games on FS1. You mentioned that right when you came in. We we've seen it the last couple of years yeah, with the new deal, right? But did, I don't think to look there yet. I, I, for You're still not. Reason, no, it's not I'm part not. of the rotation. No. Two nineteen doesn't get you on Directv. No, it really doesn't. Two twenty one, same way with uh, CBS Sports uh, Network. Yeah. Um, although I did a little bit last night, trying to see if looking Bill, I could find him in the in the stand, <laughs> right? Uh, as he was at the game last night, but. Uh, no, but just kind of, kind of weird. So Saturday couldn't be any better as far as the way it all lays out. We're going to get uh, K-State and Iowa State at 11, Ohio State at Iowa at one thirty. There should be no overlap there. The Hawks and the Buckeyes should be almost done by the time that the ball is in the air at Arrowhead Stadium right into the nightcap um, in Los Angeles with uh, the Cowboys, America's team, and the Rams. What a perfect day for sports Saturday is going to be. Well, it's not completely perfect. It's the last Saturday of football, so we can't yes. have everything, right? Uh, we've got to take a break because I don't want to uh, shortchange Adam Teicher, and I don't want him to think that we're not calling him. Well, I'll do something else. Iowa blew me off. No, <laughs> we're coming to you right, uh, right as soon as we come back from this break. Uh, it's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Kevin Lehman, uh, Trent and I will go around the uh, four in-state teams college basketball-wise with Kevin Lehman coming up in about 15 minutes. Right now, as promised, going to talk some NFL Divisional Weekend, the first game of which takes place just to our south in Kansas City. It's the Chiefs and it's the Colts. He's Adam Teicher, covered the Chiefs for, well, for decades now, ESPN.com, after a long time at the Kansas City Star. Trent Condon, as you know, uh, this is Ken Miller. Adam, great to reconnect with you. How are you, Adam Teicher? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, does this feel different? I read a piece, uh, a little nugget in one of your pieces uh, from the last couple of days. I didn't realize, in the last 12 games, Chiefs are 1-11. Now, I know those are different teams, but that's a remarkable number, Adam. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, man, there's a story to every one of those 11 losses, you know, and uh, there's a lot that went into it, and they've lost their last six playoff games at Arrowhead Stadium. So, uh, you know, they're 0-4 against the Colts. Um, in the playoffs all time. So, you know, the, the Chiefs, they can exercise a lot of demons here. They can get rid of a lot of their, their ugly past by winning this game. And that's not what the, the players in the locker room are necessarily interested in. But 
you know, they get asked about this, and they, they, they get pestered about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I know they, they just as soon get past all this. So th- this is a, a game that, for a lot of reasons, the Chiefs need to win, and, and that's certainly one of them. You know, I'm sure you get asked about Patrick Mahomes uh, every one of these that you do, and this one's going to be no different. And the reason I bring it up, if, as I kind of mentioned a minute ago, the decades that you've covered this league, and in particular the Chiefs, but, you know, this entire league – does he remind you of anybody? And does as he are you kind of over the, just kind of scratching your head? Oh my God, I can't believe he just did that. It's just remarkable what he's doing. Who's he like, if anybody, Adam? You know, I don't think anybody. You know, people have compared him to, to Brett Favre, and I, I don't really see that at all. Um, uh, you know, Brett Favre did a lot of dumb things. I mean, there was a lot of bad interceptions, costly mistakes that he made that really cost his team. I mean, he kept the Chief, uh, the uh, Packers out of the Super Bowl once or twice at least with some really dumb picks that he threw. And, um, you know, Pat Mahomes hasn't been doing that. I mean, there, there hasn't been a lot of young guy mistakes, really. You know, he's thrown 12 interceptions during the regular season, and you know, a couple of them I know he, he'd really like to have back. But most of them are, are just things that happen in games. You know, you throw the ball enough and Eventually, once in a while, it's going to, and no matter what you do, it's going to end up in the hands of the opponent. So, you know, I think you put most of his interceptions in that category. So, uh, you know, he does stuff that young guys just don't do. You know, he, uh, he, he's good at manipulating the defense with his eyes. And, and, and that's something, you know, normally it takes a few years of playing to, to have down, but he's pretty good at doing that. So, uh, you know, it's just I really can't really compare him to anybody. He's just kind of got his own style and uh, does things his own way. Well, Mahomes certainly Teich has had a lot of help, and a big part of that before the suspension and release was Kareem Hunt. Tell us a little bit about the running game and how it continues now, minus Kareem Hunt going forward. Yeah, um, you know, you, you sort of feel like the Chiefs are just sort of trying to get through a game uh, with, with the running game. You know, they're just trying to see what works in a particular week. Um, because, um, you know, they, they really don't have anybody like Kareem Hunt. I mean, he, he wasn't the fastest guy, but he was always the biggest, the big play threat because uh, you could line him up uh, anywhere on the field and he could be effective, you know, whether it was as a wide receiver or whatever. And, um, you know, he was so tough to knock down. I mean, he picked up a lot of tough yards. And, and uh, you know, the Chiefs don't really have a guy like that. I mean, Spencer Ware's a, a physical runner, but he's really not like Hunt. He's certainly not as versatile as Hunt was. And, you know, Damian Williams has done a nice job. He's probably more like Hunt, but certainly not as dynamic as Hunt was. So, you know, you you kind of, you know, I, I know the Chiefs go in with a plan of how they like to attack with the running game, but you, you sort of feel like they're, they're sort of feeling their way around a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, now without Hunt and, you know, not maybe knowing what's going to work well from one week to another. So, uh, you know, this is definitely, um, you know, in the running game particularly, it's not a good development for the Chiefs. But even in the passing game, not having uh, Kareem Hunt, that's not a good development. I mean, he, he was so dynamic. Yep. So, uh, you know, there's no question the Chiefs aren't quite the team they were before without him. Um, but, um, you know, hey, that's not to say they're not good enough.
Uh, Adam Teicher, ESPN.com is our guest. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, Adam, I can't tell you how impressed I am with this Colts offensive line. Glowinski, and in particular, Quentin Nelson, road grader, uh, all pro. Just an amazing, amazing rookie campaign. This, to me, is one of the parts of this game that I'm going to pay special attention to. Can the Chiefs defensive front, can they do anything against this offensive line for Indianapolis? Who I think, is, is it as good an offensive line as the Chiefs will come up against? this year yeah it might be i mean uh it, it well could be and you know the thing to remember it it, it really hasn't taken a great defensive front to, or offensive line good to, point uh, control yeah. the chiefs defensively i mean they, they they're you know they've been handled uh, fairly well in some a lot of their games this year so uh you know that that's a real issue for the chiefs here and uh you know the the part of it you know, I, I think we all expect the Colts to run for some yards. Everybody runs for yards against the Chiefs, and that's just what they do. You know, the part that intrigues me is the pass protection part of it and, and the Chiefs rushing the quarterback. You know, the Chiefs tied for the NFL lead in sacks this year with 52, and the Colts gave up the fewest sacks in the league with 18. And I sort of think the game might hinge on that um, part of the game right there because um, I, I don't see the Chiefs winning if they can't knock Andrew Luck around mm. a little bit. I mean, you know, he's playing so well. If they don't get some pressure on him fairly consistently, I, I, I think he's going to have a big day. So, you know, but on the other hand, I think if the Chiefs can, can pressure him, you know, he, he'll make some mistakes. I mean, he threw 39 touchdown passes, but also 15 interceptions. So, uh, you know, he'll, he'll make a mistake now and then if you make him do it. So uh, the Chiefs have to make him do that. Otherwise, I think it's going to be a tough day for the team. Uh, I'm uh, heaping praise on offensive linemen here, and I want to bring up Mitchell Schwartz because as as a Bronco fan, I've never seen a, a right tackle have success against Von Miller seemingly every time that they play the Chiefs that Mitchell Schwartz does against one of the best in the game in Von Miller. Glad he was recognized with his all-pro recognition earlier. Yeah, absolutely. He deserved it, I think. And he's been playing, you know, just a, a brilliant signing by the Chiefs. You know, he's finishing his third year with the Chiefs, and, you know, they they – you know, looked around three years ago and they said, hey, you know what, we play in a division that at that, that time had Von Miller generally coming off the, the left side of the defense and Khalil Mack generally coming off the left side of the defense and Melvin Ingram generally coming off the left mm-hmm. side of the defense. And they said, you know what, we need to secure this side of our offensive line. And they uh, they went out and, and, and made a great move. And that's, uh, you know, that that's what the Chiefs – you know, you, you look at the reasons the Chiefs have won, whatever it is. I, I don't know the updated numbers. I think they've won 20 of their last 22 games in the AFC West, and, and they've won three straight AFC mm-hmm. West championships. And one of the big reasons you can point to is they've made moves that have um, sort of been aimed at beating the competition in the division. And one of those, the, the best example of that is them signing Mitchell Schwartz. I mean, I think that was definitely aimed at what's going on, what other teams had going on, in the AFC West, so um, you know, I, I don't think it's a huge coincidence that uh, you know, the Chiefs have won th- the, the three AFC West championships they've had, they've done uh, uh, in the three seasons since uh, Mitch Schwartz has been with them. Hey, Tysh, when you look on the other side of the ball against the opponent, the Colts, you know, Ken brought up the offense and with the Andrew Luck and, and Reich being an offensive guy, the offensive line, the running game, all those things. I, I understand that's where people start, but that young defense, Matt Eberflus, who's getting some run possibly to be a head coach here down the line, does a, has done a really nice job with a young defense over there. When you look, what are some of the problems that they're going to pose for Kansas City uh, with that defense for the Colts? 
Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a you know you, you watch them play and you don't see the maybe the most talented bunch of guys in the league, but wow, are they well coached? Yes. I mean, they seem to, you never seem to be, have guys out of position. You know, they they always seem to know what they're doing and they're in the right spots. And uh, you know that that's obviously a coaching thing. So uh, you know they they play pretty well together. And uh, you know I, I like the Chiefs' ability to score points against. The, any defense they play against. So I, I think that the Chiefs will have their serious successes. I mean, to me, it comes down to uh, how much margin of error are the Chiefs going to have? I mean, are the Colts going to score every time they have the ball and therefore the Chiefs are going to have to keep pace? Uh, you know, I, I, you know, it, the Chiefs are going to have the Chiefs defensively are going to have to give the Chiefs offensively. They're going to have to give the offense some, some room for error. They, they, they can't let the Colts control the clock and, and, and uh, score every time they get the ball and, and play with field position game. I mean, the, the Chiefs going to have to get some stops defensively to help the uh, to help the offense. So, Tysh, let's say all right, Kansas City gets the win, however, in whatever fashion we see on Sports Center Saturday night. That's all great, and then you settle in at noon on Sunday. Who are Kansas City Chiefs fans? You're at the sports bar watching the game. Who are they rooting for to see in the AFC Championship game? The Chargers. Who they've seen twice and split with, or the Patriots? Yeah, uh, I'm having I'm having a hard time getting my head around that first part where the Chiefs actually win a playoff. <laughs> yeah. But okay, I'll, I'll play along here. Um, you know what? I've been telling people this all all week, or since the Chiefs have known that the Colts are their opponent in this game. I think this game is going to be the toughest game for the Chiefs on their way to the mm. toughest of the two. I think the matchups for them are better. In the other two game, uh, uh, in whatever team they might play in the AFC Championship game, mm-hmm. so I think the Chiefs. This is that's a better way, of, another way of putting it. I think this is going to be the difficult game for the Chiefs if they can find a way to win. Um, I, but to answer your question, I think they'd like to see New England come in to Arrowhead. I think you'd, the, the Chiefs fans should be rooting for the Patriots because. Um, um, you know, that, that's been a team that's just been a mess on the yep. road this year. I mean, they've not only lost, but been blown out to some bad teams, some non-playoff type teams. For whatever reason, they're just not the same outside of Foxborough, and that's kind of been the way it's been for them, at least in the playoffs over the years. And you just get them out of that building, and they're a different team. Hmm. So I think in New England is the team that um, the Chiefs would would like to play if they can find a way to beat the Colts uh, on Sun uh, Saturday. Sammy Watkins going to play? I think so. I mean that's the plan right now. Now you know there's no setbacks or or, or anything like that. You know I, I, that's the plan that to, to get him ready to go this week. So um, you know he, he makes a difference. Uh, you know you talked we talked earlier about Kareem Hunt being out of the lineup and how that sort of is a a setback for the Chiefs. So I think this, the, 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 the not having uh, Sammy Watkins has been a setback too. I, I, I think uh, he sort of completes that trio of receive, big receivers they've got in there between he, Hill, and um, Kelsey that, that really makes the Chiefs dynamic in the passing game. Uh, thanks for uh, being a part of this, Adam Teicher. Appreciate it. When you've been on shows I've been a part of for over two decades now, which means we're getting old, but uh, uh, very grateful for what you've done. Thank you, Adam. Hey, anytime, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you, Adam Teicher. Uh, ESPN.com. Chiefs fans want to see the Patriots. I totally agree. I think so, too. Patriots, it's over. 
Yeah, they're not the same team. They're not. They're the not. Same. No, that that is completely true. And uh, they were a Houston gag from having to go on the road last week. Yes, kind of backed in. That's hard to say. They backed in. They win the division again. But you get my point. Mm-hmm. God, maybe got some luck to be able to host that home game. Uh, it's time to pay your bills with KXNO and EKG Golf. Simply text the keyword pizza. Pizza to 200, 200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. KXNO, 1460 KXNO, and EKG Golf. Text the keyword pizza to 200, 200 right now. Message and data rate supply. College basketball conversation. We'll go around the four in-state programs with color analyst Kevin Lehman. He's coming up next when Miller and Condon continue on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Well, that's a timely bump, Trent Condon. We're going to talk Cyclones, Hawkeyes, Bulldogs, and Panthers. Did you do that on purpose? Oh, I'm learning things as we go along. Well done. Kevin Lehman covers every single one of those teams. He's color analyst, college basketball-wise. He joins us. Kevin, where are you? Uh, I'm in beautiful Buse Creek, North Carolina. And, Ken, it is gorgeous country out here. A lot of Waffle Houses. <laughs> People are great. Uh, so I have tonight on ESPNU, I have Winthrop, which uh, second in the nation in threes made, almost 13 a game. And they shoot him at a high clip. That's Greg Marshall's old school before he mm-hmm. went to Wichita State. They're going against Campbell, the Campbell Fighting Camels, <laughs> and they have a young man named Chris Clements who's leading the nation in scoring. He's going to eclipse 3,000, Ken, and the last guy to do that was Doug McDermott. That's something. Well, Doug McDermott's old yeah. team last night gave a, saw a guy come into their building in Marcus Howard. What a performance! He, I mean, what a performance! Did you see any of that last night, Kevin? No, but I pulled the box score up. It was unbelievable. I think he was ten of fourteen from the three, and that went went in an overtime. Yeah, ten of fourteen on threes for uh, Marcus Howard. He, he's got to be kid, don't you think? leading candidate for player of the year. Oh, he's certainly in the conversation, no doubt about it. And if it's not him, of course, Zion Williamson continues to generate big headlines. 30-10-5 the other night on the road at Wake, the first road game for Duke of the season. That guy is absolutely nuts. Who's the favorite right now? I know it's still January. It is way, way early. Who's your favorite team that you watch in college basketball to win it all at this point? Boy, that's Tough question. I, last time we talked, you know, I really like what I've seen out of Tennessee and Rick Barnes. I just yeah. kind of like the fact that Rick Barnes bounced at Texas. He goes to the NCAA tournament 17 years in a row, misses one. They bounce him. He's gone to Tennessee and just taken that program to another level. I, I really like that team, but I tell you what, guys, Michigan. That's where I am. He's yeah. got it all. I'm, I'm thinking this Michigan team just keeps getting better and better. And, uh, you know, they've gotten so good on defense because, uh, you know, but John Beeline went out and hired uh, Luke Yaklich from Illinois State to, to handle his defense a year ago. They go to the Final Four, and they're just as good defensively this year. I, I really like that team. And I said this to you guys before, it's time to say John Beeline is the best mm. coach in the Big Ten. Mm. Uh, you, you, so you can make that argument, no doubt about it. Kevin Lehman is our guest. Well, since we're... 
In the you just mentioned uh, Bit Michigan Big Ten. Let's stay there and let's start with Iowa. They played last night. Uh, of course, no Tyler Cook. What a coming out party! If you want to call it that, I think it was Wieskamp's best moments uh, as a Hawkeye last night. Garza uh, with some big, big uh, minutes as well. A lot of credit goes uh, to, to should be passed out here. Even Fran McCaffrey who lit his kids up. Uh, with, uh, what, 17 minutes left in the game. That was a big win. I don't care if it's Northwestern. Your best player doesn't play, Kevin Lehman. That was a big win for the Hawks. Well, Ken, they had to get a road win. They've struggled so much on the road, especially defensively, and the whole Northwestern, 38% shooting. But here's the recipe for success when you go on the road. Free throws. They get there 26 mm-hmm. times, and... Iowa has done that throughout the season. They get to the line as good as anyone in the country. Then only seven turnovers, so you give yourself a lots of opportunities. And you'll know, have guys step. I, I like it when they play uh, Wieskamp at that four spot. I, I think they're harder to guard in certain situations against uh, certain teams. And then Luca Garza, he's supposed to have a bum ankle, but the guy gets the free throw line 11 times. Garza's kind of, he's that guy that gives them. He's just a competitor. He's kind of the fiery guy along with Kreener. I like those two in that lineup. So we've uh, seen a lot of development out of this team. You mentioned the defensive end, the improvement first time we saw on the road uh, really last night and what they did against Northwestern. The Big Ten is so much different, though, than it was a season ago. Last year, you know, we famously saw Nebraska go 13-5 and and not get in the NCAA tournament. 13 wins certainly will get you in. What's a good benchmark? If Iowa gets to... This number, they're in good shape going into the Big Ten tournament in terms of Big Ten wins. What do you have it pegged at? Well, it's a different year, TC, because it's 20 games. Yeah. So when you look at that, I'm thinking as strong as the Big Ten is, and we, you know, I think Michigan and Michigan State have separated themselves at the top. But after that, when you start looking and talk about Ohio State, Wisconsin, you know, even Minnesota showed some signs of life. Uh, Purdue, there's some really Maryland. good teams. In Mar- yeah, Maryland, there's the surprise team. I, I, I'm wondering if 9 and 11 gets you in if mm. your non-conference is strong enough. I'm really thinking 9, nine wins the Big Ten might get you an NCAA bid. Didn't Katz, Andy Katz say yesterday he's got 10 teams at yes. this point? I believe he said that yesterday. Let's go to Iowa State where two kids that sat out, Mariel Shayok and Michael Jacobson, as they waited their return to eligibility, leading the way uh, statistically for this Iowa State team. We thought Shayok was going to be good. Uh, Michael Jacobson uh, kind of spun his wheels a little bit in Nebraska. And, you know, obviously that year that he sat out, he more physically mature. He worked on some things. He, to me, has been the maybe the biggest eye-opener opener on this team? I don't think anybody saw Jacobson's uh, role on this team being as uh, significant as it is. Your thoughts on Iowa State from what you've seen so far, Kevin Lehman? Well, can I agree with you on Michael Jacobson? I called their games at Nebraska when he was a freshman, and he banged around, always was involved in the fray. He got rebounds, he defended, was not called upon to score. So his scoring is what surprised me more than anything, the way Michael Jackson has come. And if you talk about Mario Shayok, is he not a candidate for Big 12 Player of the Year? This guy has been tremendous scoring the basketball. And I remember watching him practice in October. He is a warrior in practice. And I knew that he would lift the play of those freshmen because he's a fifth-year senior. He understood, well, I guess he's only a junior. Is that correct? A Shayok, no, he's a senior. senior. Yep, He's a senior, yep. but I could tell he was going to lift the play of those freshmen because he competed 
in drills at the defensive end every second. And maybe that comes from playing for uh, Bennett at Virginia, but uh, he's been tremendous. And, and the other freshman I don't think we ever expected was Tyrese Halliburton. Yes, unbelievable. Uh, kind of below the radar. Yeah. They're talking so much about Taylor uh, Horton Tucker, and then Tyrese Halliburton has been sensational. Kevin, uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. With, with Lindell Wigington working his way back from the injury, you mentioned Halliburton, how well he's played. Difficult to find some minutes at times. Steve Prohm's dealing with that right now. I'm sure in your coaching career it's something that you dealt with too. Guys feel like they should be getting more minutes in conversations that happen there. How difficult of a stretch is this for Steve Prohm trying to figure out exactly how to divvy up these minutes in his guard court? Well, Trent, when you win... It's not a problem. Yeah. When you lose, then it can become a problem. And you just have to have constant communication with your team. And I think Steve Pro is an excellent communicator, not only with his team, but one-on-one with his players. And Linda Wigington, it takes you a while to get that shot back. He has not shot it well from the three-point line since the injury, but that takes time to get the timing, game speed, and those things. And we know this guy, you know, he's an NBA talent, but uh, I think that rotation with him and Halliburton, uh, Nick Weiler, Bab, that backcourt can only be good things down the stretch. We got a lot of basketball left. Thank God, you're going <laughs> to need some bodies in there. And, you know, Iowa State has always been a short bench. This is the first time Steve Prohm's had to deal with some depth issue. We talked about Iowa for the last couple of years playing too many guys, too big a re- rotation, and now you look at Iowa State. Uh, you know, he went nine deep against Iowa State, but now Lard's out. Yep. Cameron Lard's out for a while, so that looks like that puts them back to an eight ro- eight-man rotation, which I think Steve Prohm is very, very comfortable with. Hmm. Well, let's move over to the Missouri Valley Conference. We'll start with the Panthers. Uh, they host Drake uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, it's a 3 o'clock tip. Uh, Northern Iowa's struggling. They're 1-2 and two in conference. Their only win is against Bradley, who has yet to win a game in the Valley. Uh, Green has been as good as advertised, but can you put your finger on why this uh, Panther team is struggling seemingly the way that they are at this point of the season, Kevin Lehman? Can they consistently have not got a second and third score to complement A.J. Green. They're putting a lot of pressure on that young man. His assist-to-turnover ratio is not good, which is typical for freshmen when you throw him that point guard position. And I'll tell you two things that's affected them. Austin Fife is going to be applied for a medical redshirt. He was going to be their beef and size inside. They don't have any power inside. The defensive end is an issue. Kavion Pippen from Southern Illinois, who Drake just played, gave him problems. They have to double inside and it distorts their defense because they don't have the beef to go one-on-one. So anybody that has a big front-line player is a problem for the Panthers. But the biggest thing, Ken and Trent, they just have not shot the basketball very well. They've got good shooters. I've called maybe 10 games. They've had open looks. They just don't go in. And you, you hope that if it starts to happen for them, which it did at Bradley, they could be a dangerous team. Uh, but they certainly have some warts that they have to figure out. On the other side, Drake uh, off to a really good start, then the unfortunate injury to Nick Norton. Terrible to see because it felt like Drake could certainly you know, contend in that top half of the league and maybe even do nor- uh, more with Norton out there. Drake now, what, what they're built like with McGlynn in the middle and uh, a big game for Noah Thomas the last time out without Norton out there. Have to be happy to see the young Aussie out there playing at a high level. Well, that was huge. Noah Thomas, 24 points. 
four assists. He's knocking in the three ball, so took up a lot of that slack. But Nick Norton, so you but you'll wonder. Uh, here's the thing about Darren DeVries. He told us in the opening press conference he was going to play fast, hmm. no matter what the other teams try to do to him, and he's done that. They shoot it at a high clip. It's unbelievable. Their win over Southern Illinois really opened my eyes because I had Southern at U and I. They looked really good in that game because they got a lot of pieces. They brought back Armand Fletcher, who had been suspended for six games. He had 21 against Drake. But Drake still handles this game fairly easily with an 82-70 win. I'm excited about this game Sunday. Number one, it's homecoming for Darren DeVries. Back at you and I where he mm-hmm. played. But I think this is a great in-state matchup. I think with Darren at Drake, this is going to basically be a rivalry game that we're going to want to tune in and see every time they match up. That works for me. You know, it's just a really good hire. He was he threw his name into the uh, into the ring when the job would come open in the past, and for whatever reason, kept getting bypassed. Finally, Brian Harden, who I think has done a remarkable job in a lot of areas, he really has, uh, got the right guy. DeVries is the right guy at Drake. A perfect hire, Kevin Lehman. But look what he's done the first year. He assembled a team when he had no team. He put the pieces together. You got the Murphy twins, uh, brought in the two transfers in Ellingson and Norton. If he can do that in that short period of time, let's see what Darren DeVries can do when he has a little time to really recruit and bring in some players. And I really I think you're going to see him try to get in that graduate transfer market, maybe some overseas players. Uh, I think this, there's a big upside for Drake. You know, 11 wins in non-conference, the most in the school's history certainly some milestones for Darren DeVries in his first year with the Bulldogs. Talking college hoops with Kevin Lehman. Kevin, last thing for me. Uh, old friend to some, Steve Alford. <laughs> no longer the UCLA to coach. Some. <laughs> Fred Hoiberg was bandied about early in that one. That doesn't appear to be a fit out there. Where does UCLA turn? Who's the next head man with the Bruins? Well, you heard what Bill Walton said, didn't you? Yeah, Barack Obama. They should hire Barack <laughs> Obama, so maybe that's the way the Bruins should go because they certainly need a savior. You know, it's not our UCLA or our daddy's UCLA. It's a different time period. And the Pac-12, it's, that league is horrible this year. Yes. They're talking maybe two teams in the NCAA tournament. You know, I don't know where you go. It's got to be uh, a lot of people on the national scene that I listen to on those podcasts. Uh, Doc is being one says, Rick Pitino. Mm-hmm. Do you go to Rick Pitino because their comment was, you need somebody that doesn't care about the outside noise of UCLA that's going to come in there, do his thing, and get it done. Now, does Rick Pitino have too many uh, too many skeletons in his closet to be the UCLA coach? I don't know, but that's a pretty good thought when you think of what UCLA needs to invigorate that program that was so proud at one time. Uh, Kevin Lehman is our guest. Kevin, the music's going to play any second. Just real quick on this. Uh, you mentioned you did Jacobson's games uh, in his fresh, at, at Nebraska freshman saw. Did you ever work with Kevin Kugler? Kugler and Crispin did the Iowa-Northwestern game last night. I really enjoy those two. Kugler's a pro. Ken, let me tell you about Kugler. I'm the coach at Nebraska-Omaha. My AD walks in and throws a tape on my desk and says, uh, we're thinking about hiring this guy as our play-by-play guy. It was Kevin Cougar. He was working for the CBA Omaha Racers. So I spent many a trips up I-29 to North Dakota, North Dakota <laughs> State, with Kevin Cougar. And here's the thing in that league. You played Friday, Saturday, Ooh. women, men, doubleheader. 
Cougar would be on air for five hours alone hmm. other than his coach's interviews. This guy, and he was probably 24, 25 then. Yeah, he is a real pro. I, I think he was with us for maybe four years. Love, I love KK. He is a, he's gone uh, to great heights in the broadcasting, but a super person. Boy, that uh, I-29 between Fargo and Grand Forks, boy, it's scenic, isn't it? <laughs> well, my first trip up there, kid, my first trip is McDermott told me to stay at the wagon wheel in North Dakota. And yeah. I found out why, because there's a gambling place right next door. It was 30 <laughs> below. Yeah. They closed the gate at Watertown, South Dakota. We couldn't even get there until game day. It was my first trip as a head coach in the North Central Conference. One that I'd like to forget. Uh, Winthrop Campbell tonight, ESPNU. You can hear our guest Kevin Lehman doing his thing. Kevin, great to catch up with you. Talked in the weeks to come. Thank you, Kevin Lehman. All right, guys. Congratulations to your new gig. Yeah, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Kevin Lehman uh, joining us as we talk a little bit of college basketball. Good stuff on Coogler. You like Coogler, right? Oh, he's excellent. Yeah, he's terrific. He's one of my top, certainly BTN guys. He's mm-hmm. one of the, my favorite. Football and basketball. Yes. Equally talented at both. Uh, so is John Walters. How's that for a segue, oh, Ken oh, Miller? Oh. It's like you've been doing this for a while. It is, almost. I fell into that one. John Walters, eleven fifteen. He's the voice of Iowa State. Mark Morehouse covers Hawkeye football, eleven thirty-five. Miller and Condon, till noon. On Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.